0: Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Tuesday, May 26th, we are studying Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through 36. St. Paul brings this section of his epistle to a glorious conclusion. Throughout his dealings with both Jews and Gentiles, God has been at work. To show mercy, mercy to all. And that leads to praise and glory to him alone. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor John Busman. Pastor Busman serves at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Coleman, Alabama. Pastor Busman, welcome back to Sharper Iron.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Pastor Busman, as we get started this morning, give us some context. We're coming to a conclusion here in this section of of the letter to the Romans, chapters 9 through 11 really form a unit. What do we need to know going into this last part of that text today?
1: Right, so certainly not an easy section of, of, of Romans for us, uh, especially as it comes to a conclusion here, uh, coming through chapter 9 on election and you know kind of what God is, is up to with Jews and, and Gentiles alike. Uh, we've just come through the very beginning of the chapter uh, hearing about the image of the uh, olive tree, about natural branches being cut off, that is, uh, the Jews uh, due to their unbelief, and foreign branches being grafted in, uh, namely the, uh, the Gentiles, and, uh, and kind of what's going to happen with them. And, and this morning we kind of get started with a warning to the Gentiles Really, not to get not to get puff, puffed up and conceited, uh, because uh, well they know what's going to happen to them if if they continue down that road. So uh, here we are, but ultimately it, it does, like you said, all come back around to the the mercy of God.
0: Mm, right. Yeah. That, I mean, as as we get to that verse, particularly verse thirty-two, it seems that that is the conclusion that Paul has been driving at throughout this whole section, as he's been talking about, the history of God's dealing with his people, Israel, according to the flesh, his dealings with the Gentiles, that the point of all of it, and we've seen hints of this along the way, but the point of all of it is that God is showing mercy to all. This is his grace in action, both for Jew and for Gentile, and if some of his own people that that received the promise in the Old Testament, even if they rejected it, that is not that has not nullified God's grace, it has not nullified the power of his word that brings to faith. And so this, this matter of showing mercy to all really comes to a head here at the last part of, of Romans chapter 11. And I, I think before before we get into the text, I think you're right. I, I was looking at the, the text that this part of the, the text is particularly addressed to the Gentiles again. Paul made that turn back in 11.13, where he says, now I am speaking to you Gentiles. And he really started talking to them particularly about the matter of their arrogance. And I think you're right to, to see that continue into this text today, that although Paul writes this to the whole church, it is particularly the Gentile Christians who are in view here again, lest they become conceited in what they see God doing among Israel.
1: No, that's that's right, and you know you kind of hear echoes of all of that even even through the gospels with with Jesus and his dealing with the Jews. Uh, you know they'll always come back with, "Oh, we're children of Abraham. What's the big deal?" You know, almost like almost like they're owed something from God just because of their lineage. And you know, kind of the warning here to the Gentiles: don't don't become like that because you you saw what happened. You saw what happened to them.
0: Right, right. That same, and so that that theme, which we heard in the previous section, as you said, that look, Paul told the Gentiles, if if God cut off the natural branches, don't think that that He can't do the same thing to you who have been grafted in as a an a na- unnatural branch, as a wild branch, who are once disobedient. Right. Don't think that. And so that that same theme, again, we don't want to we don't want to lose sight of what Paul has just said throughout this whole section. Because there's going to be some some language in here that's going to be know, difficult. So maybe not the right word, but we need to be careful that we understand what Paul is saying and what Paul isn't saying, and, and recognizing what he has said previously is going to be a key in this text so that we don't import some false theology. And I think I think we'll we'll get to that, Pastor Busman. Let's go ahead and read the text, and and we can we can talk about that. So this is Romans 11, beginning at verse 25. Paul says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient, in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, That is the text for today, Romans 11, verses 25 through 36. So, Pastor Busman, again, we, we see at the beginning of the text, Paul continued to speak to the Gentiles. He's concerned about their arrogance, their conceit. He says, I don't want you to be wise in your own sight. Rather, I want you to understand this mystery. Take us into to verse 25.
1: Sure. We kind of got into that a little bit before uh but one of the things that that we need to take note about especially as we continue with this text is uh, paul says a partial hardening has come Uh, not all the uh not all the jews uh, rejected the christ Uh, some turned and uh and believed which you know is, is a is a good thing of course and and what what uh what you would want to see. But again, the warning to the Gentiles to say, Look, you know, if you know, if the blood line of Abraham fell away and rejected the Christ, don't think that don't think that you're immune to somehow falling away. And we see this come out in, in Paul's other letters as well, this Jew and Gentile uh, tension. You know, the Jews Thinking that that the Jewish Christians thinking that somehow they're uh, of a higher ranked Christian because they came through the Old Covenant as well, and uh, and this really Paul revealing this mystery levels the playing field. Says no, it, it doesn't matter really where you came from in in this line. Uh, what matters is that is that you are simply in Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. So is that is that how you would define? mystery, Pastor Busman. That's a key term, I think, here, where he says, I want you to understand this mystery. Right. The, the, the mystery is being I, in Christ?
1: I would push the mystery then into verse 26. Uh, the mystery being, uh, all Israel will be saved. And Paul kind of uses uses that word Israel uh, interestingly in, in 25 and 26. Where you know if if we go back to um to Chapter nine, it can seem a little strange as we hear what Paul says in chapter nine, verse six when he says, "But it is not as though the Word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. You're kinda of like w- w- wait just a minute what <laughs> what is going what is going on here?" Uh, how How is that possible? Uh, but verse 25, partial hardening has come upon Israel, meaning the Jews. But in verse 26, the word Israel takes on a more biblical definition of, of what we see as, as Israel. And going all the way back into Genesis, we see who is Israel uh, but Jacob. That's when, when God... Uh, Changed Jacob's name; he changed his name to to Israel. There in the the wrestling match uh, before Jacob meets his brother Esau, but the biblical definition of Israel seems to break down to be um, God's people. When you see Israelites in the Old Testament, the literal phrase is is "sons of Israel," sons of Jacob. god's people right so it helps us to understand that word in that way Uh, so it's not something like you know what the united states established as a state in 1948 and i think that i think that definition comes to our minds first in these times, and it it already begins to cloud our understanding of biblical texts if we're looking at the scriptures and seeing the word Israel and thinking about a plot of land, you know, at the gateway to the Middle East or something like this, rather than looking at it from the scriptural perspective of Israel equals God's people.
0: Right, right. So this is this is an important thing. And we've I can't remember which guest I talked about it with, but the understanding what Paul means when he says Israel is key. And in our context today, one of the ways that we will hear the word Israel is as you referred to, the nation state that currently exists in the Middle East. It was created in, I believe, nineteen forty eight and and it's over there along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And we hear the word Israel, our minds go to that. And biblically speaking, that's never right. <laughs> that is never the definition of the word Israel in the Bible. It, it is not right. talking about that current nation state that exists right now in the Middle East, the one that you hear in, in politics and, and in all of that. That is not ever Israel that is in the Bible. Is that fair to say, Pastor Busman? No,
1: that that's that's okay. exactly right. But to say you know to say that just outright, like like you just did, and and like I like I will and have, is extremely offensive to people. Uh, but if if we're following the scriptures, you know, you're you're right. It's it's Jacob and the sons of Jacob. It's God's people as we track as we track through the Bible. So when you're saying all Israel will be saved. It's not some, okay, perk your ears up, let's figure out how to get the Jews back in, right?
0: That's right. So, and and just to, I mean, that's an important thing to keep in mind, that it's not, <laughs> we, we don't want to ever think when we read the word Israel in the Bible of that nation state that exists, okay? So we, we've we got that laid out. It it may bother some people, but it is it is true, and it's important that we see that. Now, there are, though, two other uses of the word Israel that we need to take care to pay attention to. And this goes back to what you brought up from Romans chapter 9. Paul Paul says that not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And then he he follows that in verse 8. He says, this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise who are counting as offspring. So there are two ways that Paul will use the word Israel. One is he'll talk about Israel according to the flesh, which means anyone who can trace their family tree back to Abraham. That would be Israel according to the flesh. But there is also Israel according to faith, which has nothing to do with family tree, and rather it has everything to do with, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you share the faith of Abraham? Not do you share the bloodline of Abraham, but do you share the faith of Abraham? And, and here in these two verses, verses 25 and 26, Paul, I, I think we would say Paul uses both of those definitions. In the first verse, in verse 25, where he says a partial hardening has come upon Israel, He's saying a part of the Israel according to the flesh, the, those who share the bloodline of Abraham, part of them do not believe in Jesus. That's that. But then when he says all Israel will be saved, now he's talking about Israel according to faith. And that Israel has nothing to do with your bloodline. Go ahead, Pastor Busman.
1: No, that's, that's exactly right. And, and to, to deepen this kind of this, this thought, Jesus carries this thought out in John chapter 8 as well right there the the Jews he he's talking to in in that chapter are are only thinking you know bloodline we're in we're good we're we're part of the family and and it doesn't it doesn't see the other side according to the faith you know what are, what are they actually confessing and it never you know they never they never get it you know they, they pick up stones to throw at Jesus but Paul kind of brings those two things he talks about one in verse 25 and the other then in verse 26 so the mystery that i'm pushing toward is what's the way in this way all israel will be saved how will all is, how will all of god's people be saved ultimately
0: hmm. so so take well before we before we go go there how will all and maybe this this leads into this What are what are some? I think one of the errors that we can fall into if we don't get this verse right is is an idea of universalism that somehow all people will be saved, and and we already know from what Paul said previously that that that's not true. So this is the way I was I was thinking through this earlier, Pastor Busman. In verse twenty five, Paul says a partial hardening has come upon Israel. So not all who trace their bloodline to Abraham will be saved some will some do believe in Jesus and will be saved but not all of them will then Paul says until the fullness of gentiles has come in well we we also know from the rest of scripture that not all gentiles believe in Jesus now plenty do as Paul has made clear throughout this letter so so i, I think i mean one of the errors that we could fall into would be universalism but Paul Paul forbids us from that here when he talks about all Israel being saved, he's saying those who are believing of the bloodline of Abraham, those who are believing that do not share the bloodline of Abraham, that is all Israel, and all of them will be saved, but there are also those in both groups who are not saved because they do not share in the faith of Jesus Christ.
1: Right, there's still the, there's still the means by which they are saved. It's not, it's not like Jesus died on the cross and, and poofed everybody into heaven all of a sudden right he he's he's the means you know that's the uh the scandal I guess that uh that that's brought up in chapter nine It's, you know why- why some and and not others right but so the the means by which all Israel is saved is the deliverer who comes out of Zion, hmm. the messiah Jesus uh he's the one who takes away the sin, he's the one who banishes the ungodliness, and there Paul flips back the ungodliness from Jacob, right? He brings up Jacob because Jacob is Israel. That's a quote from uh, Isaiah 59. So that through the cross of Jesus, through this deliverer, uh, this is the means by which all of God's people will be saved. It's not like there's some uh, there was a former set of rules a thousand years ago by which those people were saved and another set of rules a thousand years before that, it's the means by which all are, are brought in. Uh, the total number of people who are brought in are brought in through this deliverer who comes out of Zion, namely namely Jesus.
0: Right, so the, the means of salvation, and this, is, this has been true in the Old Testament and the New Testament throughout history, the means of salvation has always been Jesus Christ. Those who are saved from the Old Testament are saved in him. Those who are saved in the New Testament are saved in him. In Old Testament and New Testament, all those who are saved are rightly called Christians. They believe in Jesus Christ. There's not not two ways of salvation, one for Old Testament people, one for New Testament people. There's not two ways of salvation, one for Jews and one for Gentiles. There's one way of salvation his name is Jesus Christ. He is this deliverer who's going to come from Zion.
1: Right, and that's and that's really the first place that we have our hiccup if if we are reading Israel as this place over, you know, gateway to the Middle East or something like this. Uh, you know, there, there's a big push to, and has been since 48, really, to get all the Jews back to that area of land so that we can rebuild the temple, or that, you know, God needs to zap all the Christians out of creation so that the sacrifice can be reinstituted so that the Jews can be saved. And, uh, and and all of that is 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 a confusion of the text, right? Everything, like you said, is through Jesus. It's faith in the word, faith in the promise that God has given. Uh, you know, Abraham looked forward to it. We kind of look look back to the cross and forward to the future promises of all things new, but it's always, always, always been through faith in the Word, and the Word become flesh. Jesus, He's the key.
0: That's right, that's right. And, and we we can never lose sight of that, or we'll fall off into all kinds of Bad theology, just to put it bluntly, and we can talk a little bit more about that as, as we continue going and you you 've brought up some of that already but but before we do let 's let 's dig into this old Testament quote a little bit. It, I call it a quote, maybe loosely because it 's not the quote it, when we think of quoting today pastor busman we 're looking for the exact thing that a person says, and and if it doesn 't match up precisely with our our with what we think it should say, then, then we don 't like to call it a quote when the New Testament writers quote the Old Testament, they're a bit freer than maybe we would be today in what we would call a quote, but that doesn't make it an illegitimate use of the Old Testament. Uh, take us into what Paul does here in his Old Testament quoting.
1: Right, so some of that has to do with the fact that uh, we, we need to understand the texts that, uh, that Paul and others were, were using most likely in that time they're they're quote when they quote the old testament scriptures they're quoting from the septuagint the greek translation of those hebrew scriptures and not necessarily the uh the hebrew text so that's where some of the language uh, changes come others of it are more intentional but this does come from Isaiah 59 it follows up that section in Isaiah where the 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 servant the second servant comes and redeems, saves uh, the people. Uh, again, uh, you know, you wouldn't use the word um, Jew as we do necessarily in, in Isaiah's day, but also, but also Gentile. Isaiah speaks of it very, very boldly in, in, his, in his book. But it's there in Isaiah 59, verse 20, a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob, who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. So you you have this same thing happening, uh, the deliverer coming. Uh, Isaiah says two, uh, here in in Romans, Paul says a deliverer will come uh, from uh, Zion. So you know again the same uh, same idea here. We you know we wouldn't say well, Paul didn't know the scriptures, or there's some sort of you know, editor that came along and changed the words or anything like this. It, it's it's the same same thing going on here,
0: right? I mean, and so just a, a few thoughts on on this Isaiah quotation, this deliverer coming from Zion there in, at the end of fifty nine. It's it's right after that that you get Paul or not Paul. Isaiah goes into chapter sixty, and the first part of Isaiah chapter sixty is that very uh, classic text for epiphany where where the prophet sees the the king's coming from from afar the kings to the brightness of your rising it talks about the the camels and the bringing of gold and frankincense so clearly isaiah has in mind in his in his talk of this deliverer coming from zion salvation that belongs to both ethnic israel israel according to the flesh and gentiles who share that faith I, there's there's also echoes in here i think of that last phrase when i take away their sins there's echoes of of the new covenant that jeremiah talks about in jeremiah chapter 31 that's one of those readings we hear on on monday thursday sometimes that this this new covenant when the lord takes away their sins and and all of it all of it is done in the lord's grace as you said what is the way that all israel will be saved it's not by the bloodline, the family history that they have. It's not by the law, as Paul has made clear, but rather it is by this deliverer, Jesus Christ sent according to God's grace. We're going to pick those thoughts up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. Please stick around. In many ways, St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bel Air, Maryland is just like any other Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Church. They have worship services each Sunday and reach out to their community, but one thing they don't do is pay their electric bill. Hello, this is Rahima Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. And if you want to hear what St. Matthew actually did to eliminate their electric bill, just visit InterestTime.org. That's InterestTime.org. Welcome back to Sharper Iron here on Worldwide KFUO. It is Tuesday, May twenty sixth, and we are studying Romans chapter eleven, verses twenty five through thirty six, with Pastor John Busman of Saint Paul's Lutheran Church in Coleman, Alabama. Pastor Busman, prior to the break, we we were looking at that Old Testament citation that Paul gives us in verses twenty six and twenty seven. Any more comments on that before we move on with Paul's argument?
1: Uh, no, I, th- I think it's a really good. Uh... A good gateway in there, and I'm I'm glad you brought up uh, moving into Isaiah Isaiah 60 and seeing that again everything is wrapped up. No matter what, when, when we're talking about salvation, and going back into the Old Testament, it's always looking forward to this promise of the Messiah and his death and his resurrection. Hmm.
0: So then, as he moves forward from that Old Testament citation into verse 28, he, he makes a point that I, it sounds familiar to what he's been making previously. He says, as regards the gospel, they, again, this is Israel according to the flesh, they are enemies of God for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved, again, the they being Israel according to the flesh, for the sake of the forefathers. Help us into verse 28 and the point Paul makes there.
1: Sure, they, they are enemies. This takes us back into the into the olive branch, uh, the olive tree image. They are enemies of God for your sake, right? The Gentiles are are coming in. Uh, when, for example, when Paul would go into a into a town, he would go into the synagogue, and we would see him rejected uh, by the Jews there. So then he would go out and and proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. So for the sake of the Gentiles, it is. Uh, you know they're enemies of, of God for your sake because you're hearing the you're hearing the word as was God's plan again from the beginning, but in regards to election, they're beloved for the sake of their fathers we we did not forget that just because uh, Israel, according to the flesh, rejected Christ that they somehow lost their chance and even if they should hear the word and repent, that God would say, no, sorry, you had your chance and you can't be saved anymore. Uh, These are the people through whom the promise of God was fulfilled. We we need to remember that, that uh, Jesus had uh, a lineage. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, uh, the house and the lineage of David, right? There was a uh, a process through which God worked in order to in order to become flesh and and to enter into this creation uh, so we need not act as if all of a sudden the Jews are you know, have no way to salvation anymore
0: right and again the way of salvation that is open to to the Jews to those who are related to Abraham according to family tree is the same as it has always been right now at this moment Paul says they're enemies of God according to that they they don't believe that by and large again it is a, a partial hardening as Paul has said a couple times in this chapter but by and large they're they're enemies of God according to that gospel but that doesn't mean that God has Forsaken his his promise, as if he's somehow going to take that promise back and say, "No, I I didn't mean that. It's not for you anymore because because you've rejected it once." No, he's going to continue to call out to them. Right? This was this was part of the point in chapter ten, and and what Paul has been saying all along that that his ministry to the Gentiles is intended to make those who are related to Abraham according to blood. To make them jealous so that they would hear this promise and believe it. So that, that hasn't gone. And, and for the sake of the forefathers, right? This is, God made his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And, and he continues to sound forth that promise to those who are descended from them physically. Even if they haven't believed it at this point, that promise still goes forth. And, and they are beloved. Of, of course they're beloved. I mean in in John 3:16 for God so loved the world he loved all people and this this is where Paul is, is going I, I think is that he's he's loved all people in this way when they were sinners he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for them and that's true for Jew and Gentile like I might be getting I might be getting ahead of the of the text of where we are but I mean that's that's where Paul's going here
1: right it's uh it's It's hard not to get ahead of yourself when you're when you're reading a letter because everything just everything just flows into uh into the very next thing right the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable he, he he's not gonna take them away he's not gonna change his his mind he um uh, you know he d- like i said earlier he doesn't have one set of rules for one era and a different set of rules for a different era, or one set of rules for the Old Testament and a different set of rules for the new testament as as is a popular belief, but that's not the way that's not the way God works. he He doesn't, you know he he doesn't say, uh, well, like I said, you had your chance, and I'm sorry you rejected me. Uh, you know even even the centurion at the cross. Who was responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus has one of the boldest confessions in the Scriptures. This was the Son of God, and 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 God's promises are for him just as they are for uh, for all. But but Christ is the means by which we come to faith. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't right. and even- that, I mean.
0: Was just, and even even St. Paul himself, and Paul, Paul has mentioned himself earlier that, that the, one of the ways you can tell that not all Israel according to the flesh has has been hardened is the fact that he is a Christian. He is a member of Israel according to the flesh, and, and the Lord came to him and, and converted him, brought him to faith. And so even even St. Paul is example to this. Now, verse 29 can be problematic if we don't under the words "all Israel" and and particularly says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable; they can't be taken away. Is this somehow teaching something like "once saved, always saved," Pastor Busman?
1: It could it could be twisted this way, I guess. And again, as you know, as, as we've kind of been uh, tracking about a half a verse ahead of ourselves, you know, which which is which is okay is. Kind of the way you'd like you'd like these discussions to go to make sure you're keeping contextually, but it's one of those verses that you can yank completely out of context and say the gifts and the calling of God are, uh, you know, they're not to be taken away. In other words, you can say, look, you know, I I, I gave my life to Jesus, uh, you know, I did this, I did that, and and you know, you can you can never, uh, you know, God's never going to uh, take away. Salvation from me, even if one day I should, you know, fall away and reject Him. But it's it, this is all on God's side. Right? We really have nothing to do with it here. God promises something, right? We see this in the Old Testament with uh, everlasting covenants, like with Noah and all of creation, right? God will never destroy the the creation again by the waters of a flood. It doesn't matter if anyone on earth believes or not. God's not going to do it because he said it. Just like with the salvation of the world, it's an everlasting covenant. He's going to save mankind. He's going to save his creation through his blood, no matter what. No matter what. He's not, he's not going to change his mind. He's not going to say, well, uh, they're not worthy enough for me. And it's a good thing because if Jesus uh, had walked when He did walk the earth in His ministry, I mean, what other time would it have been? Well, these people aren't worth it. I'll try again another day. No, He 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 promised to become flesh. He promised to save us by His blood, and He did. He does not break His word ever.
0: And that's I mean that's the comfort of verse 29 is that God does not break his word that it does not depend on me and and the matter of of one saved always saved takes away that comfort which is, is found in Christ alone and and that's i mean that's that's what we want to hear from this verse is the comfort that is there and that's where Paul's going to move and as we've been getting ahead of ourselves that's where verses 30 through 32 really start to i mean pull all of these things together that Paul has has brought out particularly in chapters nine through 11, and it's all related to what was in chapters one through eight as well. But he, 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 he's drawing all this together that in his dealings with Jews and Gentiles, God has been showing his grace to disobedient people that these sinners who deserved nothing from him on either side, Jew or Gentile, they've received grace fully. And, and in, in, in that grace, and in that grace alone, that's how they are saved. Take us into these, these key verses in verses 30 through 32, Pastor Busman.
1: As I Look, you, you've all been disobedient. Uh, you know, like you said, going back all the way to the beginning, you know, Paul really gets going on the world and all of these things, and you kind of want to jump up in the air and say, yeah, you get them, Paul. And then he turns him to you know you in chapter 2, and then chapter 3, he says, all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have been disobedient, but you've received uh, mercy, right? God still calls to you uh, for salvation. He still points you to, uh, to Christ, right, to receive mercy, those, those natural things of God, the grace, the mercy And and the peace that that he gives, his mercy is always going to be the thing that persists, always.
0: The the way you you said it there reminded me of the end of Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, which which is better translated something more like, Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me, or or as you said, Uh Will well, persist. Me. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the the same thing is going on here in verses thirty through thirty two. So for the Gentiles, as you said, they were at one time disobedient to God, and and all you need to do is is read chapters one, two, and three, the first part of three of the book of Romans to see that that they were disobedient to God in in the worst of ways. And as you said, for for those of us who who Believe in Christ. For those of us who've been in the church for a while, it's it's very easy for us to hear that and and say with Paul, "Yeah, get them, Paul. That that's right. They're they're the bad guys." Well, Paul quickly turns that on us as well, so that by by the end of this, all are disobedient. So when it comes to the Gentile, verse thirty, they were at one time at disobedient to God, but now what they have received mercy, and that is what has brought them into. This true Israel according to the faith. And then verse 31, Paul says, Okay, if that's if that's true for you, Gentile, then for Israel according to the flesh, yes, they are disobedient right now, but through the mercy that's being shown to you right now, the goal is that God would show mercy to them as well. And this is this is the great hope that Paul has throughout this section is that. His brothers, according to the flesh, would be brought into the true Israel, into Israel according to faith. Because at this time, by and large, those were the people who were were rejecting the gospel. We see that play out throughout the book of Acts.
1: He yeah, had all of Paul's missionary journeys. The, the one that was coming to, coming to my mind first was his first missionary journey. When he's, when he's about to make the home stretch and head back around for the southeastern shore of the Mediterranean, he winds up getting stoned, and instead of continuing his journey, he goes back to the cities where he just was, back to the places of with the people who had just stoned him to proclaim the gospel, the, the greatest disobedience, right? We're, not only are going, we going to reject the gospel in word, but we're going to kill the messenger, but Paul continues to, to proclaim that word in order that God might show mercy even to even to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And so I mean verse I, I do think, and you could tell me if you if you disagree, but I think verse thirty two really sums up the entirety of particularly Romans nine through eleven. That that is Paul has been laying out what God has been doing among Jews, among Gentiles, both. The key is that all we're disobedient, so that God can show mercy to all. This is this is finally the point. Even as we we see this mystery play out that that you've got a partial hardening of the Jews, bringing in a fullness of the Gentiles, and now mercy still being extended. The point is that all along, God has been showing mercy to disobedient sinners. And this, I mean, the, I, for me, verse thirty-two really helps to tie together what has been a very challenging section of the book of Romans at times with those key texts throughout i mean romans as you know pastor busman romans contains some of the clearest statements of gospel some of the most comforting statements in all of scripture chapters 9 through 11 other than maybe Ten seventeen, those those parts where where Paul talks about hearing coming or faith coming through hearing hearing through the word of Christ, chapters nine through eleven sometimes get left out of that, <laughs> but I think this verse really helps tie all of this that we've read in the book of Romans together so far.
1: No, you're you're exactly right, and 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 this is what he's been echoing throughout right? all of sin and falling short of the glory of God, but there's god to to pick up the pick up the sinner with his mercy through the word through his through his call right ten ten seventeen, and that's how you know that's ultimately right? faith comes by hearing. so God does not abandon people just because they have turned away. He continues to he continues to call. Um, by His Word, He continues to send pastors and family members and friends to to call out to those who are lost in order that they might turn and and repent. Um, you know, we we pray often in the church, you know, that we may work while it is day before the night comes, when no one when no one can work. Right? The, we are in these last days, so we continue to call to those uh, by the gospel in in hopes that they would uh that they would receive it gladly.
0: Mm, right. And and so this this power of God's word that Paul is proclaiming I mean given all of this this doxology I think that's what we would call verses 33 through 36 this doxology this this praise to the triune god really I mean really makes a lot of sense that that God who who by rights should condemn all humanity in their sin, that he is actually in the process of showing mercy to all in their sin through his son, Jesus Christ. This leads Paul into this this moment of just exalted praise right here in the middle of the epistle to the Romans. So let, let's dig in to verses 33 through 36. Paul starts the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Take us into these these various terms that he uses there in verse 33.
1: And it's like after Paul's done you know this with this section proclaiming just the gospel here at the end it just bursts out in in praise here the depths of the uh, riches wisdom and, and knowledge of God uh, unsearchable are his judgments how inscrutable his ways uh we hear again if we go back to the prophet isaiah in chapter 55 that uh, his thoughts are not our thoughts his ways are not uh, are not our ways and, and thanks be to god that that's that that's not the not the case uh, but paul is is you know seeing god on, on such a a larger cosmic scale here uh, that that though we you know though we are saved through the humiliation of, of the Christ. God is, is exalted now in glory, and we see this on you know on this side of the ascension, um, but exalted in his glory, right? Who how how in the world could we even even begin to consider how God's mind works? I mean he had he had this plan from the very beginning. Nothing in creation has ever happened where God had to say oh, hang on just a second, we need to take a time out and, and write a new playbook because something happened that that I didn't know about. Or who has been his counselor? Again, something happened that I didn't know about. Hey, you know, angels, come gather over here so I can figure out what we're going to do next. What do you think we should do? You know, God has never had to call a time out. He, he's had this plan from the beginning uh, just down to the letter. And how in the world could we begin to... Wrap our minds around the way the mind of God works, and, and again, all to His glory, uh, all so that both Jew and Gentile could hear the word and believe. Uh, it's it, it, it's amazing to, to even begin to consider.
0: It really is. At the in verse thirty three, there where he says, "Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom." This section started in verse 25 Paul says lest you be wise in your own sight and you brought up Isaiah 55 that the that God's ways are higher than our ways his thoughts are are higher than our thoughts well i mean which which sort of wisdom do you want and, and look where the human wisdom would lead Paul Paul's been telling the gentiles during this section particularly don't be wise in your own sight don't become proud and arrogant setting yourselves over over the Jews, as if you were somehow less sinful or less disobedient than they were. And to do that, to to follow their own wisdom, would be to to follow in the same path as those who were related to Abraham, who rejected Jesus, to become branches that would be pruned and cut off from the tree. That's where human wisdom would lead. But divine wisdom, the, the depth of the wisdom of the knowledge of God, where does that wisdom lead? It leads us to salvation, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done for us. And this is, I mean, this is just spectacular. It's, it's amazing. It's astounding that, that God would do this for his enemies. Think back to, to Romans chapter 5. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, Christ did this for us. And, and that's true for Jew and Gentile alike. How, I mean, again, no wonder Paul breaks out into this praise here. It, we've, we've got a couple of Old Testament references here, specifically, Pastor Busman, in verses 34 and 35. Where is Paul drawing from in the Old Testament here?
1: Again, not, uh, not necessarily direct quotes, but just kind of a summation of various things that we hear from uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 40, uh, Verse 13 says, "Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel?" Uh, he's also pulling some ideas from Job and, and also from Jeremiah. So, again, even if something is not a direct quote from somewhere, he, he he's pulling in these these same ideas. Right? It's not Isaiah said one thing, Job said another, Jeremiah said another. You know, Moses said another. Everybody's saying the same thing. So Paul brings all those together in this in this praise here, uh, verse you know thirty-four and thirty-five and, and summarizes what what those um, prophets and, and Job are, are saying.
0: And then at verse thirty six wraps that doxology up for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever amen take us into that last verse
1: God is God is the creator of all things uh, created through his his word it is and again wrapping up this this difficult section especially in in chapter 9 it is God's creation it's his rules but he's not some angry dictator, his plan always has been for all uh, to be saved. Again, in light of 1017, faith comes by hearing and hearing uh, through the word of Christ. So God's, his plan has always been for for all to be saved. Unfortunately, that's not not the way it, it will be. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we stop proclaiming the word uh, so that they may turn and repent to the glory of the name of God.
0: Well, Pastor Bussman, with just under three minutes here, summarize, wrap things together, give us the good news from
1: this text. Sure. Great news. The mercy of God persists despite of who we are. Uh, even if, uh, Even if the natural branches should be cut off, God has the power to graft them in again if if the wild branches uh, that have been grafted in are cut off God is able to graft them in again this is the mercy of God and it, it it's a beautiful thing that uh, that Jesus didn't come for only a few uh, people that God's mercy is is somehow limited by those who uh, do good things or were from the right bloodline, that somebody should hear the word and, and God would say, uh, sorry, you weren't, uh, you weren't born in the right time or of the right family, that God's mercy extends to all. And it's a motivation for us, too, to continue to proclaim the word and, and to spill out in doxology, as Paul does here at the end, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, uh, because we, we, we can't fathom uh, the love that God has for for all of His creation, uh, even me and uh, even all of you. Mm-hmm. Pastor John Busman is the
0: pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Coleman, Alabama, helping us this morning with Romans chapter eleven, verses twenty-five through thirty-six. Pastor Busman, thanks for your time today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Look forward to hopefully next time.
0: God has consigned all to disobedience that He may have mercy on all. Whether Jew or Gentile, all are sinners. All have been disobedient and enemies to God. God has had mercy on all. He gave his promises to Israel according to the flesh and brought through them Jesus Christ, the only Savior for anyone, Old or New Testament. And that mercy extended in Jesus Christ is available to those Of Israel, according to the flesh, it is available to Gentiles, to all who believe, proclaimed in the word of God for you. All have been disobedient, but God's mercy is for all. That mercy is being proclaimed in Jesus Christ to you and to me today, so that in faith we would receive it and receive that salvation and break out into praise to the Creator, to the Redeemer. God alone, from Him, through Him, to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever.